0: Welcome one more time here uh, today. It's so good to have you. Y'all are a good looking crowd. Uh, um, tell your neighbor you look good today. Tell your neighbor that you didn't want to say that too. that. They look good too. Cause they do. They do. Hey, I want to start out with a question. I want to start out with a question. Does anybody in here remember the very first answered prayer that they ever had? I'm the only one. And it look, it doesn't have to be like this major thing. Okay. But I remember like when I was a kid, I prayed over one of the most important things in my world, my Nintendo entertainment system. (laughs) If you grew up in the 80s, you know the struggle was real, okay? It doesn't matter. I was born in 85, early 90s, I'm playing the Nintendo, and there was like, the, you know, I was ready to get my up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. You know what I mean? (laughs) That was worth it for the 15 of y'all that played Contra, but listen. I remember my, my prayer, y'all, and it was very, very preacher-like, too, even way back then, right? So I was like, Lord, help it. If you would just help it, I will beat my cousin's high score today. Amen. Amen. And it worked. And I don't know if, it, if God really fixed it or if just all the banging and, you know, if you, you, you know how frustrating it was with those things. You had to get them out and blow on them. And, and, and it was almost as frustrating. It was almost as frustrating as the, as the dog on Duck Hunt when he would laugh at you and you missed okay okay such is my childhood but maybe you have some other uh, answered prayers you know i know for a fact we have people uh, in our church they prayed over appliances right have you ever done that like the air conditioner wasn't working or the dishwasher wasn't working or the person who was supposed to be washing the dishes wasn't working whatever was supposed to be working wasn't working and maybe it's your vacuum cleaner or whatever uh, I heard, uh, matter of fact, I, I specifically, I heard this one story. It was a pastor and he was talking about, he'd been, he'd been preaching for 30, 40 years at this point. And he said, he said, you know, my, when my wife and I first got married all those years ago, I, we, we bought a house and the air conditioner wasn't working. So I went outside and I prayed over it, and she said, honey, you ain't praying hard enough. So he, he prayed again. And he lifted his hand to heaven like a lightning rod. Right. And it started working. And so he told his whole church, he's like, listen, if anything goes wrong with your AC, call me. He's like, I don't do heaters, but if your AC is not working, I'm your guy. And maybe that's you today, uh, you know, but, but preparing for today's message got me thinking about the different kinds of prayer. And some of us may have been taught, uh, and I'll even go as far to say incorrectly, that if you don't have a special prayer room that you spend 45 minutes every morning in, that you're not doing it right. And I'm gonna tell you, if you're anything like me, you pray on the go all the time, okay? Maybe your prayers sound a little something like this. God help this red light turn green. I'm late for work. I don't even know why. I left an hour early, but I'm still running late. You know, God, please let those blue lights turn off. <laughs> Just me. Just me. Okay. Okay. You know, God, flatten the tire of the guy in front. Whatever it is that that you're praying. There's there you can get your prayers out, okay? Okay. So, I want to encourage you today. However you're praying, if it works for you, keep doing it, okay? So, you know, some of the things though, you'll notice, we pray over these things that are insignificant. I prayed over my Nintendo, you know, maybe you're praying over a health issue or a financial issue and, and, and sometimes we wonder, why does God take care of this? That in the grand scheme of things, it's important to me right now, but not eternally, but maybe you haven't answered this. And that leaves us with our series, when God doesn't make sense. Because some things just don't, right? I mean, let's be honest, we don't have it all figured out. God does not always make sense to us. Uh, we, we pray over these non-important things, but then these important things don't happen. And that leads me to today's title, which is when God seems uncooperative. It's okay, sometimes he seems that way. I know y'all are perfect, but sometimes God seems uncooperative. Uh, I'm gonna share with you today the definition uh, of the word uncooperative. Uh, and this is the one that I selected to share, but uh, definition uncooperative, unwilling to help or do what is asked unwilling to help or do what is asked now I don't know about you but that doesn't really feel like a description of God does it I mean it feels like a description of us you know I mean I may or may not be one of the many that that sold their pickup truck just to stop having to help people move things I'm not kidding. I drive a Jeep now. We, we don't, nobody asks you to move anything in a Jeep, by the way. Okay? They ask you to help pull them out of the mud or something, but, but not, a, not, a, not a couch. So it makes you think, though, it doesn't sound at all like God. God loves us. He provides for us. He's given his grace and his love, and, and he's given us the very breath that we're getting. He does not feel uncooperative. But if we're honest, sometimes it feels that way. Sometimes it feels that way. So we're just going to be real today, okay, because we don't understand everything. Uh, So today, here's what I want to share with you. Three things to remember about prayer. Number one, if you'll write this down. uh, Number one is that prayer isn't about getting my way, but it's about surrendering to God's will. Prayer is not about getting my way, okay? It is not a Frank Sinatra song. It is not my way. But your will, God, it is your will. It's not my wants, it's yours. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, Jesus modeled this for us. He showed us what it looked like in what we have come to call the Lord's Prayer when he says, you know, uh, when he said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will or not my way, but yours. Today, we're going to talk about somebody who learned this probably the hardest way that any human ever has. In the New Testament, there's a gentleman by the name of Saul when when Jesus has, has given his life and resurrected and gone back to heaven and what we have come to call the church was in its infancy, like it's literal, like it was just a few days old, okay? Uh, there's this guy named Saul, and we can all just go ahead and say, Saul's a punk, Amen. okay? Saul persecuted Christians. Imagine being in your small group and somebody drags you out by the collar because you're having a great discussion on something they disagree with, okay? That was Paul. Matter of fact, he was, imp- or Saul, he was implicated in, in the murdering of Christians as part of that. So I think we can agree that Saul is not our friend. But Saul has this amazing conversion story. Saul, uh, he actually speaks to the spirit of God. He's blinded. He's healed. He becomes a part of the church. He, He gets a new name. By the way, when you give your life to God, you might keep the same name, but you got a new name. You know, your name on earth might not change. You might still be Chris. But you got a new name. And, and things changed. Paul would go on to write half of what we call the New Testament. Half. Maybe more. There's debate over that. Uh, he would have the mo- one of the most boldest faith, uh, boldest lives of faith that we've ever seen. He would even have visions. God would show him things in the heavenly realm that, that, he could, he, that were so magnificent he couldn't describe them to us. Amen. Through the power of God, he would heal the sick. He would raise the dead. He would spend 20 years of his life traveling the world, or or his world, sharing the gospel, planting churches. Paul was something else. As a matter of fact, many, many would say that if there were no Paul, we may not be here today worshiping in the way that we do. There's a very strong possibility we would still be looking for the Messiah instead of knowing the Messiah. With all that said, though, Paul paid an extreme price. He paid an extreme price. Let's kind of run through the laundry list. Uh, Paul was stoned, not recreationally. Different kind of stoned. I'm sorry. But you gotta explain that. He was shipwrecked multiple times during his travels. He was shipwrecked. He was snake bitten. I don't know about you, but there's I'm fine with snakes. I don't want to be bitten by one. I can't imagine looking down and like, oh. It'd be a lot louder than that, believe me. You would see me run, I would set Olympic records, okay? But, but get this, he was beaten with rods and left for dead. Now, if you're a fan of the Princess Bride, you'll get this. Um, he wasn't all dead, just mostly dead. He was, he was in a bad spot. Um, he was lashed with whips, okay? Get this, so the soldiers would lash people. They would hit them 39 times, 39 times. If they hit them a 40th time and they died, the soldier would be tried for murder, So apparently that one is a deal breaker, but 39 times. And that happened to him five different times, multiple times he was beaten with rods. Uh, uh, He was beaten with rods. He was imprisoned over and over and over. He was completely mauled in my mind. This is how I think by the way, so forgive me. But if you've seen Monty Python, uh, he was the black knight. It was just a flesh wound. You know, he doesn't have any arms or legs left. And he's like, no, I'm gonna keep going. That was Paul. He had a rough time. And I got to tell you, if I was God, you better believe that his later years of life would have been better than his younger years. Because if anybody deserved it, it was Paul. So after all of that, we come to a letter that we'll be in today. Today we'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He's writing to a church, uh, one of the churches that he had actually helped launch, he's writing to them... uh, And this is, after everything he's gone through, this is what he had to say. He said, if I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth, but I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. And get this, this is where it gets a little serious. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was, get get the, it's extreme. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Now, we've just taken a very sharp turn. Okay, we were just laughing about Nintendos and appliances. But I I think after reading this, when God doesn't make sense, can go from one extreme to to another, Amen? amen? It's a very challenging text. Uh, to, to read, just to read in your normal reading, let alone preach from. Because you get, you get Satan does this, God allows this, but later in life, Paul realizes it was all for the good. You know, it, it, God, God used this to help me from being conceited. You know, so, so maybe you're here and you're wondering as well If scholars have debated this for years, what was the thorn? Like, what was it? So when I first read this, I took it, you know, even growing up, I always took this as kind of like a briar. You know, it's more of a nuisance. Like you're walking through the woods, you hit a briar or you're messing with your neighbor's rose bush when you're a little kid and you're not supposed to touch them and then you get poked. That was just me. Okay. But we all know what those look like. Probably know what those feel like. And it's more of a nuisance. Uh, So what was his thorn? Everybody has their guess, but the Greek word for thorn was scallops. Say that with me, scallops. You guys can speak Greek, good job. Say it one more time like you mean it. Scallops, not scallops, which are delicious. (laughs) These are scallops. It's a different kind of thing, okay? As a matter of fact, uh, here's the definition. It it essentially meant to be killed by having a stake driven through you. That is not a rose thorn or a briar bush. Just imagine, he was in agony, it was tormenting every day. People have their guesses. Some people believe maybe it was the opposition to the gospel, the people that Paul used to be friends with, and now he's not. Uh, uh, Some people believe that uh, maybe it was like an early form of malaria or arthritis, uh, massive migraines, a speech impediment, maybe like Moses. Or even Galatians 6 points to that it maybe it was bad eyesight. Paul couldn't see very well. And when you're traveling for 20 years and you're, you, you need to know where you're going. Here's what I do know, because I can't answer that. But here's what I do know is that many of us here today, many of you today, me, myself included, we have some kind of thorn in our life. Amen. Some kind of struggle. We, we have some kind of thing tormenting us, challenging us. Uh, maybe it's a person. If they're sitting with you, don't look at them, please. Maybe it's a person, uh, maybe it's a boss. Not mine, of course, Pastor Jeff's wonderful. Your boss maybe maybe has been a problem for you. Uh, what about a bad relationship? We've all had those. You know, Even if it's now a good relationship, you know what it looks like to have a bad one. Even if that's just a friendship, maybe it's your health. Maybe it's, uh, you're dealing with depression or anxiety. Here's what I wanna encourage you just for those two specifically. If, if you're new here, go back to our website, look at a very recent sermon series called Fear Less. I cannot encourage it enough. We saw miracles and deliverance in this church from, from anxiety uh, uh, and, and all forms of depression and stress. Uh, but, but after all that, you know, maybe, maybe it's a sleep problem or your circumstance or it's a better job or uh, just a car that will get you to work. You know, whatever it is that uh, is your thorn, you're in a place like Paul and you're like, God, please change it. I'll do anything. Just change it. Fix this, but it 's not my way it 's god 's will, not my way, but it 's god 's will, and maybe you 're here today and you 're wondering kind of how can I you know maybe you're looking, you 're looking you saw the wonderful people serving you today uh, from from the coffee parking lot, wherever it is, our wonderful praise team who is amazing uh, our, you saw all those people well they 've all been through what we call growth track you 've heard us talk about it a lot, maybe that 's for you, and you 're ready to get in the game and be a difference maker. If you're ready for that, I'd encourage you just check. I'll send you some information this week. So one more time, it's not about getting my way, but surrendering to God's will. It's saying that God, even though I wish and you're not, I'm still trusting that you have my best interest at heart. That's what that means. Number two, write this one down. Prayer reminds us that we're not in control, but it keeps us close to the one who is. Prayer reminds us that we are not in control and keeps us close to the God who is. Verse 8 picks back up. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My prayer works best in weakness. Paul goes on to say, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Here's what I want you to know. Chances are some of you prayed three times for something just on the way to church today. That's not what I'm talking about. When Paul says he prayed three times, three times, these are three intense, like knees bleeding from from kneeling so much, going to God with intercessory focused, laser focused prayer. Three seasons, not three, three short little breaths. Here's what what I know is that that Thorne prepared Paul for the things to come. God didn't take it away from him. He had it to the end of his life because he was being prepared for for greater than where he was. He was in a very intense season of spiritual warfare. Okay, it's a very, very real thing. He was being prepared uh, for war. I want to be a little transparent with you. Multiple times. This, uh, in the last couple of weeks, I actually wanted to change today's message. And I'm about to tell you why, but I wanted to change it. I was wrestling with it, and it's just a part of me that I really didn't want to get into today. You know, if you've heard me speak before, I usually try to have a whole bunch of laughs, and then we pray and go home. But, but this is very challenging, because I was in, I remember uh, my wife and myself, we had one of the most intense seasons of war prep. Uh, about nine years ago, this September, uh, my son was born and, uh, about nine years ago this September, my son was born and it was an emergency C-section in the middle of the night. Things just went crazy out of nowhere. Everything was going good. Uh, as a matter of fact, my wife and I had just gotten over kind of really the only rough patch that I can really think of that was that bad. And then, and here we were having a child. Everything was supposed to be great. And Christian was born. He was underweight. He was several weeks early. He had to go to the NICU. And, uh, you know, I've shared most of this before. He, he's had to go uh, into the NICU and pump him full of calories, you know, get him bigger. You know, maybe you know what that's like. But um, Jessica kind of took a crazy turn for things. And again, this is a season that, that was unlike anything I've ever experienced. Um, she took kind of a crazy turn and, and over the course of just a few hours of having Christian, uh, she was in the ICU unconscious and in a coma, just crazy. If it could go wrong, it went wrong. And, uh, so for two weeks she slept through an awful lot and, uh, it was hard. It was hard. The hardest thing I've ever had to deal with. Uh, she went through an awful lot and, um, here's what I can tell you. Uh, with all the things that she went through, I walked past her in the ICU two hours after I had last seen her, and her body had changed so much I didn't recognize my wife. That's hard. It's supposed to be a time to celebrate. But here's something that I can tell you is that after those two weeks, God came through in a mighty way. And, and we are better today than we have ever been. We, we are rocking and rolling, church. But here's what I can tell you. Is that we couldn't celebrate even the goodness of God we, we really couldn't celebrate because we were racked with guilt, we were ready to come to the church and tell our testimony and about a week or so, maybe two weeks after another young mother in the church had the same thing, but did not have the same outcome. We were in a place that i can 't even describe because you know it's our he 's our one and only you know, and 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 Christian's a great kid. He, he's, he's so awesome. Uh, sometimes I think back to this time, though, especially when somebody mentions it. And, and we couldn't share how good God had been to us because we didn't want to add insult to injury for what this other family was going through. It was one of the hardest times of my life, even thinking about it now. And like I said, I didn't want to talk about it today, but here's what I can tell you is... I don't know how that worked out for that family. I, I, I know things would, would ultimately work out a little bit better for them. I don't know how they processed it. We weren't close, but we were in the same church. We were a smaller church back then, so everybody knew everybody. And we couldn't share how good God had been to us. You know, imagine winning the lottery and you can't tell anybody. It was hard. Maybe you're here today and you know what that's like. God did something for you and he didn't do it for somebody else. Maybe God did something for somebody else and he's not doing it for you. Maybe you're here today, you're praying for your parents' marriage. Maybe you're praying for yours. Uh, maybe it's your child and you're having these, these struggles. Maybe it's some addiction, some chains that need to be broken. And, and God just seems to be kind of not being cooperative. Whatever the case, you know, maybe, maybe it's even something big. You know, maybe it's cancer. Let's go ahead and that's the biggest bomb you can drop in today's world. And you just don't understand. You're at a place where Paul was saying, God, please, I am only asking you to do what I have seen you do for other people. I'm not asking anything that I know you can't do. Paul said, God, please, just do this one thing. And if I'm God, if I'm God, yes, you're Paul. Done. But it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. God said, no, not on this. On this, my grace is enough. My grace is enough. We hear grace and we think of like the forgiveness of sins, but it's so much more than that church. As a matter of fact, grace comes from the Greek word charis. It's used 155 times in the New Testament. The definition is undeserved favor, grace, but so much more. It's God freely extending himself. Leaning and reaching into us because he is predisposed to be near us and to bless us. It's God saying, I'm here. I know you're going through it, but I'm here. It is the leaning in and reaching in of God to reveal himself to us in a way that we wouldn't have seen otherwise. If you're here today and you want to experience that, maybe, maybe you're kind of on the fence and, and you're not really a Christ follower or a Christian or a believer... Uh, I want to encourage you in your program at the bottom of what you're looking through right now, there's a prayer and it's just, it just says the prayer to become a Christ follower. I'm not gonna embarrass you, not gonna pray with you. It's, it's a personal decision that I want for you today if that's you. And if that is, on the back of your connection card, I want you to check it. And here's why, I want to pray for you this week. I want our pastors to be in prayer for you this week. We, we're gonna send you some stuff that'll help you out. And again, we're not gonna embarrass you, but, but, but it's a huge decision. And if you've already done that, and you're debating what's my next step and you haven't done it, next Sunday we're actually going to have baptism. All three services, we're going to celebrate that. And you can sign up for that as well on the back of your card. I want to encourage you, if you need to take a step, take a step. This is what happened. God said this is, or or Paul said, this is what I need. God says, I am all you need. God says, I could do that. I could. I could do that. I've done it before. I might do something similar right now. What I believe God is truly saying though, is I could do any of that, but in this particular case, you are going to experience me in a way that you never could if I, did, if I did what you're asking. You're gonna experience me on levels that you couldn't dream of if I gave you what you want. And I believe Paul knew that. Church, it is so hard to explain and describe. It's one of those things that you have to experience. And I believe most of us have at some level. Because at the end of the day, God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve God. Prayer reminds us that we're not in control, keeps us close to the God who is. Number three. Number three. Prayer isn't just asking. It's trusting. Prayer isn't just asking. It's trusting. And it's not, it's trusting that God knows best. We believe that God provides. We We do even if it's not the provision we were hoping for or expecting. We, we believe that God's the same God that did the miracles in the Old Testament and the New Testament does them today. We've seen some of those happen within our church. I was just telling you about Jessica. That's 100% miracle. Amen. There's an old story. It's been around for a while. You may have heard it, but it's always worth coming back to. Uh, there was a small farm town, and in that small farm town, there was a small farm church. The pastor was getting complaints over and over our crops are dying we're we're about to all be foreclosed on all these farms are about to shut down we need to come together in a big way and pray for rain so they did the whole church and the pastor's the only one that left wet that day I don't know why the story is a pastor it could be just it could be anybody but out of everybody else the pastor's the only one that left wet that day the moral of the story is if you're going to pray for rain you better bring an umbrella Maybe you need to ask yourself today, where's my umbrella? Maybe you're praying for something and it's not happening. You know, prayer isn't just asking, it's trusting. Years later, Paul looks back over this thorn with a different perspective. He looks back and sees that God used it. He said, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. And in verse 10, in verse 10, this is what he says, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. In the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. And read this last part with me out loud and proud. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Some translations use the word delight instead of take pleasure. And I want you to kind of put your 2019 brain into this place as where Paul was. When when someone insults me, I delight in people telling me that I'm not enough. Because my God's going to prove them wrong. He, 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 you know, the people that tell me I'll never get it right. My dreams are stupid. They're not going to amount to anything. I'm going to delight in those insults. I'm going to delight in hardships—be it financial, job loss, downsizing at your job, whatever those hardships are. I delight in those. Uh, maybe what about the persecutions? We. In in this day and age, in our nation, we don't truly know the extent of being persecuted for our faith, but there are countries that do, and we hear about it, we read about it. But maybe you're persecuted to a different degree. Maybe somebody just thinks you're dumb for giving all your time to your church because they they give theirs to something else. What about the troubles? I don't need to discuss that. We all know what troubles are. We all brought them in with us today. Paul says, I delight in the things that I would never choose for myself. I delight not in my successes, but in my failures, because each and every one of them has made me better. Somebody once said, you know, I I haven't failed a hundred times. I found a hundred ways that don't work. I delight in the unanswered prayers. This might be the hardest one. I delight in the unanswered prayers. Because I know God's got something much bigger in mind. He sees from, from, from eyes that I can't imagine seeing through. And it doesn't make sense, but I delight in headaches. Maybe sometimes somebody said, I always have headaches. Maybe, maybe the headaches are a way of God telling you to be quiet a little bit and get closer to him. Uh, I delight in this job search. Maybe the reason you're looking for a job so hard and nothing is working out right is because God's got something bigger right around the corner. Here's what I can tell you, churches, no matter what I go through, and I think I can speak for Paul on this, no matter what I go through, it always brings me closer to God. I trust God for what I ask, and I trust him even when it does not make sense. Even when I'm not hearing an answer at all. I can tell you that these things would have prepared Paul for war. The spiritual warfare, all of the great things that, that he would accomplish. But everything he was going through, every step of the way, he was being prepared for what was next. And it was bigger and better in, in ways he couldn't dream of. George Washington put it this way. He said, being prepared for war is the best method of preserving peace. And if you will allow God to prepare you for the wars to come, you will experience peace in a way that you've never dreamed of. I wanna challenge everybody and each and every one of us on the back of our connection cards today, you can take this next step and it it simply says this, I won't just ask, I will also trust God for the outcome of my prayers. I will not just ask, I'm gonna trust. You know, if I can be just, just very level with you for a second. Every one of us has always heard time heals all wounds. It's not true. Time numbs the pain, but the pain will never leave. But time in the presence of God heals all wounds. That's what heals your wounds. Somebody needs to write that down today. Put it on your refrigerator, make a screensaver. Time in the presence of God will heal your wounds. Paul said, God used that to bring me closer. I can tell you God used, uh, he used that to bring more intimacy in mine and his relationship, but not just mine and his, because uh, my, my wife and I, things have never been better. And we had to go through what we went through to get to where we are. And here's what I can tell you. Here's what I can tell you. And I can say this with, 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 with pride, not in me, but in God. We went, my family went through the most painful experience that we ever have. We would do it all again if it got us to where we are today. If it got our marriage to where it is today, if it gave us the the awesome and crazy little boy that we have, we would go through it all again to be where we are today. And I believe that's what Paul is trying to tell us. Because it's not about getting our way, but about surrendering to God's will. That's prayer. Prayer reminds us that we're not in control, but keeps us close to the God who is. And if you'll stand with me, we're gonna pray. One last time though, prayer is not just asking, it's trusting. Father, we thank you. Uh, I, I thank you for, for breaking my heart over the last couple of weeks so that I'd be willing to share this. I believe that, that something in here can speak to each and every person in the room and watching at home. I thank you that you are all I need that no matter what it feels like, what what does or doesn't make sense, that I pray for things and they don't happen. I thank you for bringing me to a place that I can understand that you always know what's better. And even if it doesn't make sense to me, that you're cooperating at a level that I will never comprehend. God, I thank you for your love that fills all the gaps in between my concerns and my questions. It's so powerful. It's so overwhelming. And I pray that that peace from the preparation of war will be on every single person when they leave here today. Father, we love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's sccview.net.